Hi, everyone, and welcome to the WIM Podcast. Women in Influencer Marketing is a first-of-its-kind exclusive networking group made up of inspirational women. This podcast is where we explore influencer marketing and get real about women in business. Find us wherever you download podcasts, and of course, you can always find us at IamWim.com. That's IamWim, double I, dot com. Hey guys, what is going on? Welcome back to the Women in Influencer Marketing podcast. I'm your host and founder of this incredible community, Jesse Grossman, based in New York City, a little stressed out, but here I will be so transparent with you guys. I've uh, I've had so many issues hiring. Um, I know this is a hard thing to do. I actually recruit influencer marketers. So like, that's why my my role even exists in doing so. I know that it's difficult to hire people, especially in this economy, especially in this day and age. But oh my goodness, it has been so hard. There are like a couple really key hires that we're looking to make for WIM. They're so exciting. It's like membership uh, strategist to like continue to build our incredible membership. But emphasis on quality members. So it's like for somebody who has a really great network uh, in the influencer marketing industry and like loves hitting and surpassing goals and just like talking about a community that they believe in and already love. I'm looking for that person. And then the other person is sort of a no-brainer, and that is our social media. So historically, we've sort of like enlisted some of our mentors to create content for us and some of our members to create content for us and done like really cool user generated content, which has been so fun. Um, but the rest of it is pretty much myself getting inspiration from you guys, putting cool content together. We have like a few regular things that we produce on our Instagram, for example, like those salary reveals that some of you love. They feel so salacious and like voyeuristic. We give you like the news stories of the week. So we have some repetitive things, but I want to like amp it up. I want us to be the destination for all things influencer marketing, women in business, female empowerment, and just like a really lovely and fun and engaging and community-driven destination on social media. But also it's like email marketing. It's like all marketing. So anyways, I'm looking to fill these two roles Duh, I'm bringing it up on this podcast because I'm hoping that you are listening, that you, my future hire, are listening to this episode or watching this episode if you're on YouTube and Spotify and you prefer watching your podcast. So we're looking, I, I would love to have hired this person a week ago, a month ago, but nonetheless, here we are. So if you are interested, please send us a DM on Instagram. It's I am Wim, I-A-M-W-I-I-M on Instagram. Tell me that you heard about the open job listings on the podcast. Um, I will send you like details, but tell me which role sounds right for you. And if you know of anybody that this these roles sound amazing for, um, these are going to be contractor roles, part-time, and I would love any recommendations. So, huh, struggling. Are you guys struggling with hiring? People just say everything that you want to hear in an interview. And it's so hard to really determine whether or not it's the right fit. And again, I know this. I, I'm a recruiter. I also recruit influencer marketers for people. So like, I've heard this before. I've experienced it. It's literally why I do what I do. But... 
um, everything's different when it's your, when it, when it's for you and your own business, I, I feel it a little bit more, right? Oh, anyways, stressed about that. Um, but great news. We're hiring. And then great news. In addition to that, our website officially launched. I have been working on this site with a, a team of developers for over six months. That's how long it takes. And it's not even finished. We just had to launch it. And there's going to be kinks that we're going to work out. I'm a perfectionist. I just had to let it go. Anyways, the website is so much more than just a website. It's really like a membership experience. Um, so you like log in and you have access to certain things and you could submit job postings and you can um, request a mentorship session and you can, you know, uh, either like subscribe to our events calendar. So you're always in the know, but you can also watch our events um, on demand in a little, po another portal. Um, there's so many things that you can do on this website. It's not just a website. I really wanted to make it this like really wonderful experience for our members to have. We have this membership directory that's like unbelievable. Um, it's like hundreds of people in the industry and now you have access to uh, either their email or their social media, their bio. And so if you're a member, make sure that you go in there right after you listen to this episode. Um, or if you're a multitasker like me, go check it out now. Log in um, and then you'll head to resources, membership directory. Um, and then you can fill out your membership profile. And then everybody who's looking through there, you could search by like keyword or name or company name or clients, like all sorts of stuff. Anyways, fill it out. And it'll be searchable and it'll be so it'll be not just active networking, which I highly encourage you to do always, whether it's like our Facebook group or our Slack community, but also passive networking and that some people might reach out to you based on your profile. It's like dating. It's like a dating profile. Make it really nice, y'all. Anyways, um, there's a lot of exciting things going on, but I need to get over my perfectionism. I know someone listening relates to this. I know probably a lot of you, I'm hoping <laughs> that a lot of you relate to this. Perfectionism is a bitch, man. I want this to be so fucking perfect that it's like, it looks like a Fortune 100 company. Fuck Fortune 500, Fortune 100 company. But like, it's just not because <laughs> I don't have those types of resources, but it's, it's, it's close, man. I think it's, I, I don't want to toot my own horn, but like we put so much work into this. So I think it looks beautiful. I'm excited for it to get even better. And I'm excited for you to also listen to this week's episode. So we have a fantastic guest for you. Her name is Sorma. She and I met in real life IRL in Anaheim, California, a few weeks ago at VidCon. We had this really lovely whim dinner um, where I was like, I feel like a bunch of us are going to be in California at the same time. Let's have a dinner. So it was like this lovely group of women. She was one of them. And, you know, at dinners, you want to chat with every, I, I want to chat with everybody individually for like an hour, but you just don't have the time. So we chatted for a little bit and I was like, I want to like, I want to continue the conversation. So we did so by inviting her on the, on the podcast. Um, we had a really nice time. She and I have like a lot of similarities. So I happen to really enjoy our conversations. She's a really cool background. She's very entrepreneurial um, and she's so smart. So um, I, if you're interested in uh, gaming at all, that's her background. If you're interested in like what 
does it really take to start your own business? Um, she is, a, this is going to be an incredible listen for you. Um, and also she just gets very, very real about what it is, uh, to be a woman in influencer marketing. Um, she doesn't mince words y'all. <laughs> so anyways, thank you so much for tuning in as always make sure that you're subscribed and share this podcast after you listen with anyone else that you think would benefit. Have a lovely rest of your week, y'all, and uh, enjoy this episode. So like I mentioned, I'm, I just want to like pick up the conversation, you know, from um, when we were last chatting. It was so lovely seeing everybody in person for the first time in such a long time, but also I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so happy you're coming to this dinner that we had in LA after VidCon. I could like meet you in person. Um, but like with any dinner, right? It's like you want to spend like an hour with each person and there's so many people there. And so I'm like, oh, perfect. I was like, if you'll agree to come on the podcast, we can pick up our conversation that we started in person. So thank there you. There's so much, of course, there's so many amazing conversations and I get really passionate about everything. So <laughs> I can just go on and on. Same. Well, we can do that today if you're down. <laughs> amazing. Um, so I, so you were in LA as well, well, Anaheim technically, right? For VidCon. Um, what was that like two weeks ago at this point? longer, but yeah, I think it was just two weeks ago, <laughs> like two weeks ago. Um, and yeah. So when did you get back? What day, like, when did you stay until, you know what? It was only a one day thing for me. Um, I only did. Yeah. And usually it is the case for us locals. Um, I could be wrong. Um, cause there is a lot going on, but yeah, it was just one. Okay. It's one day. It's so funny. Some people are like, I'm going to use it as an like, excuse to have a night away from my kids. <laughs> Like, I heard people being like, yeah, I'm totally staying at the hotel and my husband's watching the kids. And I was like, you do you. Yeah, absolutely. I would do the same thing. You do you. So no, I'm, I'm excited to like hear all about, I want to learn more about you. I have a spidey sense that you've got lots of opinions about the industry. So I'm excited to hear just like your thoughts and opinions on like the state of things and where things are at right now. Um, but I also want to just like learn more about you. So my first question for you, <laughs> tell me more about your, your professional journey. I want to know about mostly you a little okay. bit about your company as well, though. And also I love that you're like a first generation. Um, I am assuming that's a pretty powerful story. So yeah, it all is. So I, I want to hear all of it. So tell me just a little bit more about you and like how you are even, how'd you get to where you are today? Oh gosh. Yeah. I'll definitely tell you all of it. Um, so born and raised in Chicago, um, first generation Assyrian, um, parents were from Lebanon, um, came here, I think 50 years ago or so. Um, and one of the things we always harp on with my parents is why did you have to go to Chicago? Cause it's so cold. But, um, but yeah, I've been in LA for six, it'll be, it'll be six years. And my first part of my career was nonprofit. So I went to school to Columbia college in Chicago. It's a liberal arts school. Love it. It's amazing. 
you know, being first generation, one of the things that I realized um, was I put myself through college. So I was working full time, going to school full time. And at some point I would do an internship, you know, on the side. How I did all of it, I don't know. But what really was difficult for me, and I think a lot of people don't understand, is that like when you're doing all that, you don't get the best internships. At the time, that's what my the issue was, right? So this is prior to any social media except for like Facebook. Um, what I mean by all of that is like, for example, at the time, the best agency to work for was Leo Burnett, which is now Starcom and maybe now it's changed to another name, but it was like the quintessential ad agency. And it was really hard to get an internship there because those internships were nine to five and they were unpaid. So somebody like me putting myself through college was extremely difficult to get that. And so right there, I realized the, the privilege of a kid who's going to school with parents and have money and don't have to go to school, work and just get those jobs. And you could see the, the trajectory from there for them. Right. And so that was something eye opening for me when I was in college. Um, and, you know, you can't help but feel like anger and resentment, you know, and envy and all the things. Um, so I just knew from that point on, I always knew I had to work really hard, but that was the point I was like, okay, I got to work even harder. Got it. And so when I listen to other immigrant stories, it's literally that it's the same thing over and over again. But yeah, I mean, like everyone else, I worked really hard. I, I you know, being from Chicago, being first generation, all of those things, they all matter. They're all the same, you know, of, of trying to get buy and make it. Um, so yeah, so the first 10 years of my career, fortunately and unfortunately, was nonprofit because I just wanted to do something that I felt like I would can make a difference. But not long after, I realized I need to make money because there's not much you can make in nonprofit. And so my mindset was, I don't want to be in the same boat as my parents. I don't want to live paycheck to paycheck. So I have to make this, make this work somehow. So moved to LA. And immediately when I moved here, I knew I had to find something quickly. This is a hustle city. There's no room in between. So I hustled like I've never hustled in my life. I had to probably about 30 jobs a day. And this was 2017 um, or 2016. And I stumbled upon my luck, a startup called Three Black Dot. And that was the beginning of my influencer marketing career. I didn't even know it existed. I didn't know this stuff was what it was. I wasn't a gamer. I'm still kind of not a gamer, as they call it. I mean, I guess I am, but we'll get into that. Um, so yeah, so Three Black Dot was my beginning. And the reason why I love that company, I respect it so much, is because it taught me a lot. It taught me a lot about marketing and influencer marketing. And so, and so for those who may, I'm certainly familiar with Three Black Dot, but for those of us who may not be familiar, tell us a little bit about them. Because I think that that, like, especially since that was like your entry point into influencer, it's important to have a little bit of context of like your entry point was through Three Black Dot. That's interesting. Tell us a little bit more. Sure. Um, so their background is that they're a creative studio now. So they're a 360 creative studio. In the beginning, they started as a talent agency and they managed talent from um, from YouTube. And we had our own MCN channel on YouTube as well. And so once that flourished because the talent that they have 
on their roster is so massive that we started to get brand deals. And those just came, you know, as a reaction to the talent that we had. And so the company naturally just grew from there. And the mindset and the creative ideas that the CEO at the time had, um, his name is Angelo. He's no longer there, but um, he was pretty much to me a creative visionary. Um, he had a lot of like ideas that were just amazing and, you know, built the company with, of course, many of the other fine founders. Um, they had a merchandise department. They had, they then grew to publishing and TV and digital content and movies. And one of the last things that were made there when I was there was um, a movie called Queen and Slim. So they were one of the executive producers of that movie. And it was pretty, you know, it was a pretty big deal. And what I love that I love to say, and I'm so proud of is the fact that it was such a diverse um, group of people. Um, the CEO himself was African-American, the COO was African-American. And there's something to be said about that as an immigrant, can't explain it. The moment I met these men, I felt comfortable. I felt like, oh, I could be my full self now. Whereas before in every other office, I couldn't, I had to, as they call it, um, code switch and talk a certain way. And I didn't even know I did it until I started working at Three Black Dead. I was like, oh yeah, got it. I wasn't being myself the whole time. I was just surviving. Um, so yeah, so that's why I think I have a special place in my heart for Three Black Dot. So I was there for almost three years and yeah, learned a lot, grew a lot, started as a project manager slash operations manager, and then became director of operations within like six months. Um, just worked really hard and just loved what I did. It was a lot of work, a lot of late nights, a um, lot of challenges. So it definitely wasn't easy at all, but the people made it. It's always the people you work with that make it easier. And I can say that till this day. I'm still friends with many of them, very close friends. So yeah, so that was the beginning. And then COVID happened and then got laid off. And that's when I started a little small business that I haven't picked back up again. So I'm glad you're, you're talking about it because it'll maybe, you know, start a fire in my belly to do this thing. But um I am working full-time as well. So that's what makes it difficult. But at the time we had two years, we're in COVID. I was missing my friends. I was missing my family, missing my coworkers. Crazy thing is I used to cook a lot, even at the office. Like we would have barbecues and just different things. And I would just love to cook. And so I would do that. There's so many stories about me cooking with my work colleagues. It's kind of crazy. But yeah, so I was missing everybody. And I was like, okay, what can I do to show them that, you know, like, I miss them. I'm here. And it was weird. You know, this is the beginning of COVID. So um, I just started thinking of things that I can make. Being Middle Eastern, I was like, okay, I can do these dips. I can make pita chips. It'd be easy. Um, it lasts long. It's easy to travel. It's cheap for me to make. You know, not, not too much of me spending money. And then boom, they came up with these dips and pita chips. So one of them is hummus and then mohamra. And I'll explain each of them what they are. And then tzatziki. So hummus for me is like the thing you make always at home. You never go and buy it at the store. And the thing that I hated from the store-bought hummus is like there's lemon juice extract, which is not fresh lemon. You always have to put fresh lemon, um, fresh garlic, have to use fresh garlic. So those things to me matter and they, the taste is, you taste different. So that's why I did that. Um, and then Mohammeda is a roasted red pepper. Um, I believe it's, I think it's 
either Egyptian or Syrian. I think it's Egyptian. Um, but every, you know, every country makes it. Every in the Middle East makes their 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 muhammadah. Um, yeah, roasted red pepper, pomegranate molasses, breadcrumbs, walnuts. Those are like the key ingredients. So it's a little tangy, a little spicy. And then tzatziki is because I grew up with Greeks in Chicago. I worked at a Greek restaurant. So it's like, again, easiest thing to make. Greek yogurt, cucumber, garlic. And so the mixture of the three, I think of palate, I think of how they balance each other. And then with pita chips, I just made, you know, my own little herb mix and they taste really good with everything. Um, and I just had a lot of fun doing it. And I came up with packaging and um, branding and social media. And I did everything myself. It was the funnest thing and the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And it lasted about six months or so, like officially. Um, I'm, I sold over 400 products within the first three months and all word of mouth on Instagram um, before Instagram shopping, just, you know, posting, doing fun little things and then, um, and then delivering them myself. Like it was a lot. It was, it was, it was, it was a lot that I did um, looking back at it now. Um, but if anyone knows the food industry, it's very hard to scale or to sustain and scale and doing that all by myself um, and not feeling having the courage to like go all in at my age, you know, it's a real thing. It's a real problem. It's a real decision. You know, it's nothing like you could just, I, I guess I'm just not at that point anymore in my life where I'm just like, ah, again, let's just throw it all in savings, life savings. Um, especially in the food industry, because I'm just aware of how long it takes to make a successful business. But that also may be all the excuses I'm making to myself. Like, I don't know. You know what I mean? It's one of those things I continuously go back and forth on. But um, but it was very rewarding. It was a lot of fun, a lot of work. Um, I call it a food lover's dilemma because I've had this name forever um, on my Instagram. I used to just, I was at typical take pictures of like what you're eating at the restaurant, what you're cooking at home and post. And then I just kept that. And I just have an abbreviated AFLD, but it's called a food lover's dilemma. Um, and the reason why I call it that is because I'm always in a dilemma. I never know what I want to eat. I always want to, you know, every day I'm on Pinterest looking at rest, you know, at recipes on Instagram, looking at what people are eating. And so it's, to me, it's like, that's the thing, the dilemma. What do you eat today? Um, so I have a question. So I have a question about this. I love this story. I mean, I love so many aspects about the story and I want to try your cooking <laughs> so much. I'm like, why did we even all go out to eat? Like, well, it's because I wanted you to enjoy yourself and not feel like you had to cook. That's why. But in LA, oh my gosh, I wish I could. I, I got to try something that you make. That sounds insane. When I was in Israel, some of the best food I've ever had in my life. So talking about like delicious Middle Eastern. But I have a question for you. Uh, I mean, first of all, getting laid off, incredibly relatable experience. Um, getting furloughed during the pandemic, incredibly relatable experience. So I know there are people listening that are like, oh my God, like I've been there too. I had that. What an incredible message to send though, that you're like, not only are you going to like pursue, you know, something to just make money, but like this thing that's so, you're so passionate about this thing that's so like ingrained in who you are. 
And it sounds like have like a good amount of success with it based on, I'm sure, I'm sure using a lot that you had learned through influencer marketing. You're talking about like it was, you know, word of mouth on social, on Instagram. So one question I have for you about that is like, what do you feel like was the key thing that made that venture successful? Is there anything that like we can take away from that? Um, I'd love to, to learn. Yeah. Good question. I think it's timing. I think I, it was at the right place at the right time for me to pursue this. Everyone was home. Everyone needed something exciting to look forward to, it, you know, dips and pita chips, any chips, right? But dips and pita chips, it's the easiest thing to consume quickly. And when it's really good, you can't wait for more, especially with like a group of people. It's a nice gathering type of thing, but timing truly is the essence of this. And so I believe it when people say like, for example, with TikTok, you know, like just start making content, just start doing it. Like if you have a feeling, if you want to do it, just start. Don't wait until like, it's, it's never too late, but you know, there's always really good timing, right. With the way the al algorithm works and everything's working. And, and I say that about my business. It's like, I started something through the pandemic. There are all these new rules about the way people were, you know, starting food businesses too. I remember that one woman in LA, I think she still exists where she's making sandwiches and then just, she lives on the third floor and then she just with a rope has a bucket and just, you know, you cut and you grab the sandwich and thanks. Bye. You know, it's like, what is going on? This is amazing. And she's built a business around that. So I think like there's so many stories like that, that they started in the pandemic. So timing would be one. I'm also going to say, because the thing that I think that a lot of people don't admit to is money and the amount of like, you know, financial literacy that you have to have or need to have. Here, like, let's dig into that. I agree with you. Not enough people talk about it. And like, hello, of course you have to talk about and, and consider- yeah your financial state when starting a business and what you can and can't do. So please, I thank you. Talk about this. Of course. I didn't have it. Um, I got, I was taught it at a very late stage of my life. I literally just a year ago have a, found a financial planner and looking back into my twenties, I was like, shit, if only I had this person in my life, my future would look different. So now it's just, I have to readjust what that looks like. And I don't, I don't sound somber or depressing. It's just real. Like it's real what they say about savings and investment and all that stuff. But going back to the business, you know, I had a lot of savings. I was, I could easily stay unemployed for over six months. Uh, if I didn't have that literacy, if I didn't have that education that I had built up and the discipline I would not have been able to start the business. And so I'm aware of that for myself. And I think a lot of people need to know that. And remember, like, I have no help. I'm not going to my family. I'm not going, you know, I'm not racking up credit card, none of it. I'm literally, this is all just, and I've separated the business. I started an LLC. I did everything the right way. I may have jumped the gun realizing it now because I actually didn't need to start the LLC. That's another thing that I realized that TikTok taught me that I thought I needed to have was an LLC first. Not necessarily, because in the state of California, you got to pay a lot of money to maintain your license. It's like $800 a year. Well, when you're somebody like me starting out, $800 is a lot. Like, it's just unnecessary, right, if you're not making enough. So I now know 
to reach out to my tax accountant and have that conversation about if I do this again, do I need to reopen up that LLC again? What are the pros and cons, you know? But I didn't make money off of it, you know? And, and, I, and I made sure that I just, I literally put a spreadsheet together and I took all of my ingredients and I broke it down, broke it down to the point where I knew how much my cost was for hummus, for a, you know, a eight ounce container of hummus. I wanted to know it at that level because you hear these stories, you hear these stories of people starting businesses and they just spent all this money and they make this amazing product and it's amazing and it's everything you want, but then they go down and they're like, you know, in debt. I just couldn't, immigrant mind could not let that happen. So and so question, so question for you, like what were you taught mm-hmm. prior to starting this business yeah. and what part of this business did you, were you self-taught about and what advice would you give somebody of all of that knowledge if they were to start something on their own tomorrow? I feel like most of it was self-taught because I'm an observer. Like I naturally just observe things. I also was taught through work. So I've always worked with budgets, whether it's on the nonprofit side and the influencer marketing side. So I understood profit and loss and expenses and income. Like I just understood it. And I also personal finance is a big thing for me. I, I, you know, balance my checkbook every week on my Excel spreadsheet. I'm always looking at my money. Um, It's just who I am. So most of my experience probably came from work. Unfortunately, you don't learn that in schools. It's another problem that I think people need to be aware of is like, take a class in college. If there is personal finance or business accounting, take it. It's worth it regardless of if you start something or not, because you're going to learn it for yourself. And that's what I would say to somebody who's starting off is like, what are we, what are you making? What do you want to build? What are all your expenses? Like, what are you going to be paying out? So like, for example, Shopify, how much does Shopify cost? It costs $350, I think, a year. Canva, if you're using Canva, you don't, because I'm not a pro. <laughs> Photoshop, 100 something a year. All these expenses, just add them up and see how much they cost. And then think of like, okay, what is your the price of your product going to be or your service going to be? And then just have to figure out like, are you going to make money? And if so, what's that margin look like? And all these things are very easy to like, just look up. Like, how do I figure out my margin? Like, just Google it. Like, it's the thing that people always say, and it's true. Google it, YouTube it, there's an answer. Um, so that's another part of probably my experience is like, just Googling the shit out of everything. No, I, I love that though. I, so I will be candid and say that like the financial piece of my businesses historically and even presently, it's just something that I'm not naturally good at. I struggle with it. I, to this day, like at 35 years old, I'm just like, like I know more than I ever did before, but I think that I struggle with motivation because I don't consider myself good at it. So what did you struggle with the most throughout this process? And like, how did you work through that? It's the craziest thing. It was social media. I'm such a perfectionist and I so love it so much. And I want to make such a good impression. And I was copying from Chipotle. I was copying from all the big brands and the things they were doing at the time, because they were coming up with very catchy, fun, um, engaging posts. And I would recreate those. It's so much work. I had have a newfound respect and love for people 
who are in like who are social media managers. And it is true. They cannot do everything. You know, one person can do it all. And in and of itself, it is a full time job. So that became really difficult for me to the point where, like, I wanted to just get off and never get on again because it became so, so hard to maintain, to create, you know, just content, create, maintain and and then enjoy it at the same time, because I always enjoyed social media, Um, because when you're doing everything yourself, you can't it's not sustainable. And so I think that's the thing that I realized um, quickly is that when you start a business, find somebody you respect and you, you know, you respect first, you trust and respect and you enjoy working with them because I think that's the, that's the joy. Another level of joy starting a business is doing it with people, with others and delegating is a huge thing that you have to learn to do as a business owner, because all the best CEOs in the world, they know how to delegate and they find and they hire the people who they don't know what to like, for example, for you, for it was finance. It's like, you need to just hire the right person for this role who knows exactly what they're doing, whether it's just your accountant and you're like, great, give me all the information that I need to know. Okay. We have this all solved. Wonderful. I don't have to now worry about this. Right. And I think that's the thing that the best CEOs do is they hire all the best people in those areas that they're just not good at because all of us have weaknesses and yeah. And I think the other part of it was really daunting was delivering. Like as much as I loved seeing people and I love to just literally drop it off to them because I would literally do that in like a 20 mile radius in LA. Um, that's a lot of work. It's a lot of time, you know? So yeah. If, if that's not enough information, I just like dumped. <laughs> that's perfect. I, I have a million questions. Cause I, like, I, I think it's such a a really cool use case for people to learn about. So I, I love hearing what you struggle with, what, you, what you're good at, what you learn from it, all the things. Delegating for a lot of people is really hard, especially if it's like your baby, you know, like it's your idea, your thing. You put so much time and energy into it. And like, was the delegation piece, was that easy or hard for you? Extremely curious. hard. I'm such a control freak. And you know, again, another thing I respect in CEOs now is like when they're a control freak, I'm like, okay, I know who I'm dealing with. I know what this looks like. All right. Let me just be patient and be there and help whenever you need it. Cause that was the thing I couldn't let go. I couldn't afford to hire anybody. Let's be honest. Right. Like it's a very new company starting off on myself. No one that I necessarily want to get in. There was no one on my mind with all due respect to my family and my friends. I love everybody, but you know, when you get into business, somebody, it's business, right? And it's personal. Business is personal. I don't care what anyone says. Um, my favorite housewife says that, Bethany Frankel. Um, <laughs> so oh my God, I my just, favorite too. Love her to love, death. Hold on. Yes. Do you do you also um, wa- listen to her podcast, Finding Tunes? Yeah, I have at times. You know, I'm starting to love her and get annoyed by her at the same time. Like that's how I know I really love her. Cause I'm just like, I feel like we know each other and I can be annoyed with you. Um, yeah. She steps, you know, she sticks her foot in her mouth at times and I do it too. So I'm like, you know, but for the most part, yeah, I do love her. What do you admire the most about her? Why is she your favorite? The hustle, the hustle. She started on her own. This woman had a vision. She was determined. 
she is the first housewife to become an influencer because of a reality TV show. She has a multi-million dollar business because of it. You know, she's the one that started Skinny Girl Margarita. And and she doesn't mince words either. You know, many times these women have tried to take, you know, some type of not ownership, but like, like I helped you start it. I remember Luann saying, and she would just go in on her and just be like, no, you did it. Why would you say that? And she just pounces until she knows she's right. And then they're like, okay. Um, and I think in business, especially being in New York, you may know better than me. Um, you have to be that way, unfortunately. And she's gotten really far and now doing, uh, you know, philanthropy. It's like, she's unstoppable, honestly. So I, I respect that hustle. It, oh, that's such a good, um, observation. I, I couldn't agree more with you. Like, cause it's her, she's such a hustler in like the truest, purest sense of the word. Um, and it's so, She's also like candid and like so real and, you know, like, you know, you say she puts her foot in her mouth, but like it's because her words just spill out of her mouth, you know? To me so much throughout my, oh God, throughout my twenties, the things I would come out of my mouth. Yes. (laughs) I, I, I just love her. So it's really cool to see that like, that's an influence of yours. Um, I, it's, it's really cool to, to hear that. And I, I definitely see like, not everybody can just, you know, so you get furloughed from a job or somebody lets gets let go or fired, God forbid, like whatever from a job, like people have very different reactions to what they do from that. And it's very telling that like you went ahead and started your own thing and like you hustled and mm-hmm. went inward, you know, like this is my roots. This is what I love. And I have this name and I have this passion and I'm going to do it. And like, it's a very particular type of person. Like that is where they go um, when faced with adversity. And I think that's so cool. And I, I, I see the through line. I'm like, I, I can see that you would be um, inspired by somebody like Bethany. I love that. Like yeah. who are other people that inspire you? And you know, you can name names or not, but like, what are the traits, I guess, you know, like if everybody sort of like gravitates towards different types of people, whether they're like leaders or mentors and things like that. Some of us are lucky enough to have lots of them and some of us don't have any at all. I'll be so, oh my gosh. So talking about VidCon, I'm not going to drop names, but this is related. There's somebody at VidCon that I like really, really, really admire. And I, I had this idea that I was going to go up to her um, at some point after she like did her thing there. She was on stage and stuff and ask her if she would be like my like sort of like official mentor and like, like mentor me. Like I just, I, oh my God, I like, I just respect her so much. Yeah. Actually said like, thank you so much. I am so honored, but I just simply don't have the bandwidth. Like she said, no. Yeah. And like, I, you know, I get it. I appreciate it. Um, but I, I hope that by sharing that, like somebody gets something away from it. Like what was my takeaway from it? I, I, I'll ask again in maybe a year. <laughs> That's a takeaway. Talking about a hustle, right? Like I'll keep in touch with her in the ways that I can. I'll learn from her in the way that she is able to teach me. I respect so many things about her and it's not surprising that she's so busy because part of what I'm impressed by is all that she's accomplished both professionally and personally. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to be 
takes courage. But mm-hmm. I bring that story up to say like there are people that we admire, there are people that we, whether they're like mentors, teachers to us, leaders, whatever, and there are certain things that we're attracted to. What qualities are you attracted to in people that you really learn from? Before I say what mine is, I want to I want to touch on what you just said because I think the thing that women don't get enough, we don't experience enough of because we don't put ourselves out there. Maybe in this gen- newer generation, I'm Gen X, so my generation, I'm not used to rejection. Like the idea of dating apps, I freaking hated them so much. I still do. I don't use them. I did use them, but my point is, is rejection. I think we need to put ourselves out there more and be rejected because that builds tolerance, that builds just more overall. Yeah. And so I'm going to say to you is like, if that person, you really believe in your heart of hearts, your gut, that this is your person in three months, see how you feel and reach back out to them and ask them. And then in six months, do the same thing, feel the same way and do the same thing. Because you don't know, sometimes it's like those like, saying no, saying no, and then finally getting a yes. And it's just like, wow, you were so committed. You were so driven to asking me, I really want to work with you. Right. Like, I think there's something to be said about that. You know, just because we get a no doesn't mean like we can't go back three months later and be like, Hey, we met, this is what happened. And I would love to work with you. I know you're busy, but can you? Um, Oh yeah. A hundred percent. I will say like, one of my strengths is probably my tenacity, but I don't know. I'll tell you part of it is because I was like, I I was a theater major in school. Um, and so uh, as an actor, you get no's all that you get 90% no's 99% no's and then 1% yeses. And in my instance, I wasn't good. So I got pretty much like a hundred percent no's. I'm used to getting rejected. I'm okay with it. I actually think that there's like no real such thing as like rejection. It's like, they're learning opportunities and growth opportunities. And I actually firmly, firmly believe that. So I'm cool with that. I'm curious for you. So as somebody who like self-identifies though, as someone who's like not good with rejection, right? Like perhaps you want to find the love of your life, but your fear of rejection is preventing you from even going on a dating app, right? Like, so talk to me about, like, I want to hear more about that. Like, do you, I don't know, are you working on that? Is that something that like you really firmly believe is something that you like want to avoid at all costs? And like, how do you deal with that? I would say even becoming a business owner, you have to be self-aware and have emotional intelligence. So therapy is a very big deal to me. I go all the time, every week consistently. And I'm always about growth. So I'm constantly reading different books. I've been reading books about trauma lately and the word trauma and what it really means and how it's not something severe. It could be something as simple as abandonment, somebody not giving you a lot of attention. Um, and that's a form of trauma. So like all that stuff I read and I love, and really, I dig deep. Um, I always try to, you know, become a better person. Um, always listening, trying to listen to what people say, if there's some criticism, family, friends, whatever. Um, as far as rejection, no, now I can give a shit. Like if I get rejection, I honestly giggle when it happens. It's ego. It's all ego is what I realized for me is in the beginning, I would, I didn't like rejection because I wasn't used to it. Because again, I was growing up in a different time where like prior to me being in a relationship, the first, the, the dating app was match.com, like literally online, not even on an app. So when I became single, (laughs) I'm like thrown into this new world of dating apps. And I'm just like, wait, I have to talk to them first? What? 
I'm like, I don't want this bullshit. And so that was the difficulty for me, like my uphill battle that I had to deal with. And I had a lot of fun. I've met really cool people, nothing became nothing future wise, but I just realized also that dating apps are like social media. It's a slot machine. They want to keep you on so that you can keep looking. And then when you get frustrated, you're willing to pay for the premium so that you can get, you know, see all of your matches and then have more control. But at the end of the day, you continue just swiping. And that's just not the way I think of dating. Like it's, 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 I mean, studies have shown, right? There's so many articles. Women are more and more becoming and staying single because they're so frustrated about how men are operating and bringing themselves. But I feel like dating apps are making people worse, making humans worse. I don't think men are that bad. I think it's just bringing out the worst in them because they now know that, especially in LA, there's so many options, you know, it's, it's for men in LA, I consider them two things. Tick, uh, Peter Pan syndrome and the grass is greener on the other side. So the Peter Pan syndrome is basically like, I'm young, I'm going to stay young forever. And then the grass is greener is there's beautiful women here, just drop dead gorgeous. So like it, either they go to a bar and they don't meet someone, they just get on the app and they find someone. So there's a lot of that. Um, I could talk about this for days. Wait, oh my God, I literally just, I was literally going to say, I can talk about that for days. Jeez, I, I'm like, I, so I was on dating apps for like, I met my past probably three partners on dating apps. So I've been on for a long time. First one on OkCupid, second one on Tinder, third one on Tinder. Um, I'm so, I'm all about dating apps, but I always say like you, dating apps give you the opportunity to meet people that you just simply wouldn't have otherwise met. It broadens the pool of people. And for those of us who probably work so much and just have like limited, I mean, COVID, whatever, just like limited opportunities to meet people, interesting people, especially like it simply like solves that problem, which is huge. But I love, I don't know, I could like every documentary that I love watching, it's all about like relationships and people and oh my gosh, you're like, I go to therapy every week. And like, I love the idea of like studying like humans and like thinking about humans and my own, like, you know, your own like emotional intelligence and stuff like that. Like literally before we hopped on this call, I like, I was on with my therapist as well. Weekly, like love it, love talking about like human psychology. So I want to know, like, so I can talk about this all day. It's like a whole other hour long conversation, but what I want to know first, cause like, please let's talk about this, talk about dating in LA. Like what, like <laughs> you're like, Oh, I roll. <laughs> I, I want to know, like, how does a, a woman who's really focused on her career and like loves what she does and stuff like that, like, how do you balance dating and try and like, you know, career and, and love? I would say to any young girl, do not put your eggs in one basket. That is the thing that we've all been taught since we were young, prior to laws being changed, that we needed to be chosen by a man because then for to, you know, for us, in order for us to have a house, we couldn't buy get a mortgage ourselves, right? There was laws literally against that. So we had to get married. We had to then that's how we found a home. That's how we found, were able to get a credit card. We had to be married. Whereas today, you don't need any of that with all due respect to men. This is not a, like a bashing. I'm just stating facts. You literally can create your own life. But at the same time, work is not your life. Work is the place that you find joy and, and financial security. 
and then you go and live your life. And then you try to balance it with whatever it is you're trying to pursue in your life, right? Whether it's travel or starting your own business or taking a dance class, whatever those hobbies are, find that balance of what it is. Just don't make it just one thing, whether it's a job or a man, you know, try to have that balance of just, and being by yourself. I love doing stuff by myself. I literally go to comedy clubs by myself. Like I go to the movies by myself. I take myself to dinner. I love hanging. I love being, spending time alone. And I think that's a, that's a challenge for a lot of people in general to overcome. So I think that's important too. And be open. I mean, I'm not open right now. I realize that through therapy. I'm just not ready to like completely open up. And that's okay. Cause I'm still kind of enjoying myself. Um, I just went on a solo road trip to, to Joshua Tree in Palm Springs, had the best time because no one was there talking, not even me. <laughs> so it's always a balance. There's always a balance there, but I think you should start with therapy to figure it out, to make sure you're on the right track. Because just like we go to a doctor to get a physical, we should be going to the doctor to check on our brains. And that's through therapy. Um, I just wish more men would do that. I hope they are. I think I see that in younger men, um, more so than men my age and older, um, because we're like that last generation of just doing things old school, some kind of baby boomer-ish. But yeah, again, can talk about this for hours. I can talk about this for hours too. Actually, like, it's funny. I never thought this before until you just said it. Mm -hmm. I wish that, like, the, there was, like, a different word for therapy, right? Like, like even if you have, like, physical therapy, it's, like, like you know, healing something. And, like, there's this implication yeah. there's something wrong with you, that you need to be healed. I, like, I think that, like, therapy is the best gift that you can give yourself because it's, like, sure, you're, like, you know, my experience, right? Like I'm always working through like some past stuff and like trauma and like, just like working through like, I don't know, just all sorts of stuff from the past, but also, you know, in terms of like self-awareness and like the, you have your whole life ahead of you and things that you're experiencing presently and just having like a sort of like neutral third party who can just like provide you with like perspective and ask questions and whole other topic is like, how do you find a good therapist? Because that makes the world of difference. I'm so yeah. lucky I have the best therapist in the world. I will fight anybody on that. <laughs> She's amazing. But like finding a good person who can like just challenge you. I have like a therapist. I have a business coach. Like I just feel like having a whole entourage of people who support you in a variety of different ways. You're talking about delegating, outsourcing, like, you know, hiring is <laughs> it's interesting, right? Like this I like this is my like entourage of like people which I feel like they support like just my life in general whether it's like personal professional whatever and then I'm trying to hire people for women I'm like oh this is hard it's sort of all intertwined it's all similar in that like you just you gotta find your people do you have any advice or like how do you find how do you find your people it's hard as you get older especially so when you're young it's easy because you're like have more energy and you're willing your life and more like risk, you know, you take more risks. And, and I'm not saying I don't do that. I don't have that. I'm just speaking just from my experience, but um, because I find myself last two years of COVID, unfortunately, it be I became more of an introvert. And I feel like a lot of people have because of COVID. So like, don't forget that COVID happened. And don't forget that like, oh, maybe this is not who I am. Because prior to this, I used to be a really sociable person. So ironically, I was on Facebook groups. Like there's this amazing one called 
um, ladies of Los Angeles. There's like over 16,000 women on there. And we just ask advice and people are just constantly writing and we're constantly giving it, you know, it's just a really a plethora of, of stories and experiences and uh, opportunities to meet new people is like Facebook groups, as cheesy as that sounds. Um, also, you could probably create, you know, a, 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 you can probably meet people if you were a creator, you know, like on TikTok. I started making TikTok videos throughout the pandemic, but probably in the last year I've made more and I talk about relationships. It's definitely like off the cuff. I'm in my robe. I have no makeup on. My hair is like a mess or whatever. I had one literally go viral. It's the craziest story in the world. If we have time, I can tell it. But um, yeah, I think just putting yourself out there and going out and going to events. So depending on where we live, right? Like New York, there's so many things to do. LA, there's so many things to do. Go out and just meet people and be open and be vulnerable. I mean, that really is the key is freaking vulnerability. Um, and it not- is. It is. Because like vulnerability attracts other people to feel comfortable in speaking to you and then being vulnerable themselves. And it's like a cyclical thing. Um, totally but depends on the fear. But yeah. I also feel like with girls, it's like we're when we're young, we're so impressionable. So like also I like I have a lot of like like I have a young niece, she's 18. And so like I talk to her about things all the time. Like I also fear like I want you to be vulnerable, but I want you to be careful. And that's the shitty part about being a girl, right? Like we have so much to lose, knock on wood, than a boy does a lot of times, you know? And so like, I'm also very hesitant to be going, just open up, like, it's great, you know, meet people, you know what I mean? Like be risky. And it's like, at the same time, my immigrant self is like, be careful. (laughs) Be careful. Cause like, we just, we've experienced the world and you just like, the world is how it is. Like if, if anyone watching or listening is unaware, like the world can be a prickly place Especially with like people. These we're in. Like, yes. right? It'll chew you up and spit you out. LA will chew you up and spit you out. You cannot show any desperation in LA. People can see it, can smell it. And I, and thank God I'm from Chicago, right? Like, and I came here a later time in my life. I noticed it and I was like, okay, noted. You know, and people have a hustle. They're always doing like another job. They're never just working nine to five in LA. And it's probably because of housing because everything's so damn expensive. But like, that's another thing, you know, that people, so like in these cities that people are very, very tough, I think somebody from a small town coming in and it's like, holy shit, what the hell? You know, it's like, yeah, that's why. Like there's a difference. That's so interesting though. Cause like I'm going through this too. I have a six year old and also like I have a, uh, a cousin who is like 21, just like graduating from college. And I like think about like, what's like advice that I want to give to them. Like, like part of me is like, was I like, I mean, of course we all were like naive until we weren't, you know? So it's like part of us like needs to experience it for ourselves, but like, do you prepare them and like, sort of like the jig is up, like the world is shitty. Like they're just shitty people. I think like the biggest thing that I learned personally is just to be able to spot the shitty people like in a heartbeat. Like if there's a room of people, I, I've been effed over so many times by really shitty people that like, I swear I have such a good sense for it now. Like I have such good instincts for it. You know, why do I have that? Cause I went through some stuff, but like now I have it. And now I, I am, I'm much more less likely, I'm much less likely to go through it again because I can pick up on all of those subtle things. But like, 
do you do you prepare how do you prepare someone for that it's I don't know it's a case-by-case basis I guess like it depends who you talk to too right like for my niece it's like she has great parents that are raising her and she's an amazing young woman but there's some things that maybe her parents don't know that I know because I'm in the industry on of social media marketing and all these kind of things and so there's things that I get to say to her that'll just resonate a little bit more than parents do because it's coming from the cool aunt or just of me, you know what I mean? Of my relationship with her. And so it's like, it depends on who you're talking to too, but also like, yeah, it's like, how much do you say without sounding doom and gloom, you know? Cause like you then become just like any other generation, but there's just so much truth to what you're saying. It's like, shit, do you just, do I just let you experience this? Um, but yeah, there's always that balance. It is. It is. I guess like the, do you feel like there's like a particularly higher level of like, I don't know, malice, shittiness, shadiness in our industry in particular? I sort of like picked up on that. Did I pick up on that accurately or is it like more or less how other industries are? I think entertainment in general, right? Like just Hollywood in general. I, I live way away from Hollywood and I do that on purpose because I don't want to be around that type of energy. And I hate to use that word because it's so used in LA. It's a typical LA word, but it depends on who you hang out with too, you know, and where you live and how you operate. Um, Again, being older, it's different for me, right? I've seen it all. I grew up in Chicago. I went to a really rough high school. I know the signs. I know what to look for. I know when to look for fake or somebody's behind me. I know to turn around constantly. Like there's these things that you just know, depending on where you live, used to live and grew up and raised being an immigrant, you know, parents, any immigrant knows this, your parents tell you, you don't trust anyone. So off the bat, just, I don't trust anyone because that's what my mom and dad told me. But yeah, I think Hollywood is shitty. I think entertainment, they're all just, you know, who do you know? It's same thing with um, DC. I have friends who live in DC and they say the same thing in politics. You know, it's like, who do you know? I'm like, I'm like, I hear you on that. And I, you know, I come also from like traditional entertainment. Mm -hmm. Um, I do my experience for what it's worth. Like I feel like traditional, I, my personal experience working in like traditional old school, like I used to work for a talent agency that like represented like stars of the the seventies and (laughs) eighties. Like, so old school, like they were cutthroat. They were from a completely different era and it was awful. But my experience for whatever reason, an influencer in particular, you get a little bit of that, but predominantly it's not that. I don't know why. Is it just because like people are better or because too enough of us experienced the the other and now we're like, I don't ever want to experience that again. I don't know. I don't I think it's both. I agree with you. I think, yeah, influencers are the best, especially gamers. If you've ever worked with gamers before, that's who that's where I work now and had work with, you know, at three black dot. Gamers are the best. They may, you may, people may look at them. The media portrays them as these guys living in their um, uh, basements. You know, that typical, like, it's not that at all. Like, these guys are hilarious. They're editors, they're producers, they're directors, they're narrators. These are, these are not just people playing video games and then posting them on YouTube or streaming them. 
Um, one of my favorites who's not even just, a, he's never been just a gamer. He was always more political commentator is Hassan the Sun, I believe. Um, he's huge on Twitch and he plays video games, but he he's so smart about politics and talks about the, the issues today. And there's so many of those gamers that just have that level of understanding and how the way, the way the world works and the way they like communicate with their communities, you know, like through their chats, it's just like profound, honestly, like it, in those moments when I'm like watching their videos or just watching them just for fun, not even nothing political or serious about it, just silliness, but the way the effort they put into it, I'm like, oh, the kids are all right. You know, like they're, they're good. Um, and I know there's downfalls to, to video games. I'm aware of all of that, but in general, the, the level of creativity and talent is, I'm sorry, unmatched with gamers. Ooh, I like it. I love the confidence, like unmatched. I love it. I like, I'm so, but I feel like we're like running out of time here today. Um, so probably have to have you back on. Um, the, the last thing I, I want to talk about, there's a bunch of things that I was like, oh shoot, I'm not going to get to this today. But one other thing that I want to make sure we definitely talk about, I want to talk about TikTok a little bit. <laughs> First of all, you casually dropped that like you're on TikTok and that you had a video go viral. And I think that's awesome. I, you know, you're working with gamers, like you're on TikTok. I like Mike, I have so many questions, I guess, but like I want to hear just like broadly, what's new with TikTok in your world? So the reason why I love TikTok is because it's the first algorithm that gives me what I need, not what they want to give me which means I get happy, positive, loving, affirming, um, building, just all everything positive. And anything that comes up in my For You page that I don't like, I'm not interested. I know that Algram's going to know she doesn't like that. So we're not going to show her shit like that. So for example, the Karen videos, any violent videos, anything just Anything we've seen in the last two years, not because I want to be ignorant to the fact that these things are happening. I'm well aware. I love politics. I love reading the news. I do that all the time. But when I come to TikTok, I don't want to like focus on that. And so the algorithm knows. Now that's scary because it's way too intuitive because, you know, there's all that behind it. And, you know, the fact that it's a foreign company and what does that mean? And what is it actually doing with this data? So that also is alarming and I'm aware of it. But at the same time, we all know what Instagram has done to people. They know, Facebook knows what it's done to young girls. So looking at TikTok, I'm just like, it's my peaceful place. I love this place. I follow so many people that are young and old, old. I'm talking like, you know, there's one woman that I absolutely adore. Her name is Shoe Lover 99 And she's um, from Alabama. She's beautiful, sweet, caring mama type. And literally is just there giving advice. You know, she literally talks to you like as if you're there. And she's just like, how are you doing? I feel like you're having a bad day today. And she makes you feel connected. It's just like, what the fuck? Like, how do I feel like I? this woman knows what I'm feeling right now? Um, there's a lot of people like that. There's a lot of therapists on there. There's a lot of doctors, dermatologists. I mean, there's just so much rich richness in general. Funny, silly, humorous things that happen. Things that go viral things that start at TikTok and then all of a sudden make it on reels. It's like, no, 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 that started on TikTok. You know, um, the different musicians that I found, the songwriters that I find, like their music, I literally find music on TikTok and then go and save it on my Spotify. So 
I mean, it runs the gamut. You know, there's anything you like, you can find it. You know, van life, <laughs> tiny homes. I love all of those things. Um, so, yeah. the, so the algorithm is strong on, on there mm-hmm. and like really serves you what you want. Um, yeah. it's, it's a powerful thing. It's a super powerful thing. Um, I mean, if anyone is, you know, look, our, our audience is like in the know, like they're working on, you know, in influencer marketing all day, every day. So like, this isn't anything new, but if you were to give, you know, people one tip in terms of how to utilize TikTok in the best way, mm-hmm. what advice would you give them? It's the same thing you've heard. It's just be authentic, you know, like don't fake it. Just show like if you want to make videos, just be yourself, be consistent. It's like any other social platform, but this one's like real, real. Um, And that's the thing that I always like to say is like, oh, God, you get to be authentic here and no one's going to judge you. Yeah, that would be the key. I love it. So be authentic. I am so happy that you came on today. I we have a lot in common, too, which I like. Personally, I'm just like, oh, you're fun to talk to. <laughs> I like, I we could talk all about Bethany and therapy and like influencer marketing and all sorts of fun stuff and just go there. And um, you've been such a joy to chat with today. So I'm super grateful that you could come on. I have a feeling that a lot of people who are um, who are tuning in would love to get in touch with you as well. So if someone wants to reach out and say hi and connect, besides the fact that you're in a whim, what's the best way for them to connect with you? Um, you can connect with me on Instagram if you'd like. It's the same. I'm going to give it away. It's the same as my TikTok. Listen, my TikTok is not professional at all. So whatever I say, you cannot hold against me. It's S as in Sam, K-C-H-G-O. So it's S-K-Chicago, but it's S-K-S-K-C-H-G-O on Instagram and on TikTok. Perfect. So we're going to link all of that in the show notes as well. Um, You just put yourself out there to the world. It's going to go well. Everyone's obviously going to be intrigued, but like, it's good. And, you know, I don't know. I like that. It's not, you're like, it's not professional. It's like, no, no, it's like you, like, this is your personal brand. This is who you are. And you're putting yourself out in the world. You're experimenting and you're learning probably so much more about TikTok by doing it that way. So that then like, A, you can have fun with it period. <laughs> but also that like you could bring it back to your work, you know, and like infuse that into what you're doing professionally as well. So Sorma, thank you so much for coming on today. It was such, such, such a pleasure having you on. I know that people are going to reach out and um, we will see you around whim. If you enjoyed this episode, we got to have you back. Check out our website for more ways to get involved, including all the information you need about joining our collective. You can check out all the information at iamwim.com. Leave us a review, a rating, but the most important thing that we can ask you to do is to share this podcast. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week. Tune in next week.